Amen. Good morning. Boy, y'all got quiet. Y'all got quiet. Y'all ready to sing? Have a good time today. I hope you are. I hope you're here to worship and praise our Lord. Amen. Good to see you here. Good to see you kids up here this morning. I know y'all have a special thing coming up in here just a little bit. Amen. All right, everybody, you want to stand together and let's sing this song.
from up here than on the platform. Um, Y'all look great this morning. So excited to be here to worship together. And what a great morning it is to be able to start off with baptism. Um, As many of you know, a few weeks ago, Hunter Major came um, and shared that he had professed faith in Christ. And so we wanted to be able to baptize him this morning. And so if if it's your first time here, we're so glad that you're here visiting with us today. And uh, if you're not aware of what baptism is, baptism is simply the outward expression of the work that Christ has done in one's life. And so it's making it public knowledge that Christ has died and risen again for that person. And so Hunter has come today to make that profession public. And so Hunter, if you want to come on down, I think the water's extra cold this morning. Come on. There you go. So a few weeks ago, Hunter went to FCA on a Friday morning. And God began to work in his heart. And throughout the course of that weekend, Hunter had some questions. What is salvation? What has Jesus done? And on the car ride home on a Monday, Hunter began to ask Mandy more questions. And through the course of that car ride, Hunter decided, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And so he prayed to receive the Lord. And so he has come today, as I said, to make that profession of faith public. And so, Hunter, I want to ask you three questions. First, do you believe that God is your father and creator? Yes. 
Do you believe that Christ died for you? Yes. And do you believe that the Holy Spirit now lives within you? Yes. Hunter, based on your profession of faith, it is my honor to baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Stand up now. Right. Come this way. All right. Amen. Church, one more time. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Look, thank you all so much for being here this morning. It's an honor, it's a privilege to have you here today to not only witness this, but to be here and worship with us. So we're we're glad that you're here. We are. Uh, we're gonna take up an offering. So guys, if y'all are ready, come on, pray for the morning offering, and we'll take that up and continue with worship. So if you would, let's just go ahead and stand together and pray, all right? Father God, we love you, and we thank you for this time together this morning, God. What a joy it is to see this one come and be baptized, to take that first step in obedience and following you as us, a witness to him doing that, God. God, to a closer walk with you. So, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you through our tithes and our offerings this morning, God. Bless this, that it might be used to reach this community, to reach this world for you. Bless it, God. Bless the remainder of our time together today, and Lord, we just look forward to all you're going to do through the singing, preaching, and God, just our time together in this place.
so are you. You claim the name of Jesus and you claim him as your Lord and your Savior. You'll rise. Amen.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being Lord of all. Thank you for being our Messiah. Lord, thank you for laying aside that throne, stepping down from glory to be our Messiah, to be the sacrifice for our sins, that precious blood you shed, the body that was broken just for us, God, that, that supreme sacrifice that only you could be. God, we thank you. We love you. God, now you have your way today in everything that's done, and we look forward to a great time as our pastor brings the word this morning in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Again, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, if you want to make your way there. Um, just uh, as we get started, happy November, which means it's officially Christmas time. Just, just for my own entertainment this morning, I uh, was fomenting some church division. And so show of hands... Who says it is acceptable to put up Christmas decorations right now? Okay. Who says Christmas decorations must wait until after Thanksgiving? Oh, wow. Amen. All right, let's pray and send this thing to the house. Um, no, there... I say that, and uh, there's Christmas decorations up in our house currently. Um, so James chapter 4, as we get started this morning, um, as I was thinking about it, there was, uh, for several years when we were living in Florida and pastoring there, the, the city would have a chili cook-off and they would raise money for, for charities and stuff like that. And, and for some reason, they, they asked me if I would be a judge in the chili cook-off. I guess something about me says that man knows his way around a chili. And so every year they would ask me to come be a judge in the chili cook-off, which I would always reluctantly go. And there was always these criteria for the chili. It'd be taste, which taste is easy. It's either tastes good or doesn't taste good. I'm, I could be a food critic. This food is bad. This food is good. Okay. Um, but then there's all like texture and all this other stuff. And when I go to a chili, I, I know what I like in a chili. 
I have my preferences. Like, I like beans in the chili. Now, I know some chili purists out there are going to say beans don't go in chili. But I said what I said. I like beans in my chili. And I like my chili to be not, t- not just temperature hot, but spicy hot. Like even if the chili just gets to room temperature, it'll still warm you up as you eat it. That's how I like my chili. And so I'd go into this competition. I had these rules that I had to go by. I had to rank all these chilies. And they gave me these objective standards of what I should judge these chilies by. But if we're honest, my preferences would win out. So I knew the type of chilies that I liked. And I wanted those to win because I liked those chilies. Why? Because they matched my preferences. And now I know when it comes to the idea of judging, which is what we're going to be looking at this morning, that there's a very popular wind in our culture that likes to selectively quote some Bible passages about judging, about do not judge. You know, the context of that is judging hypocritically. The issue is not judging whatsoever, but not judging hypocritically. Because we are called to exercise discernment as believers. But we're not called to judge in such a way that we're hypocritical in our judgment. So before I can take the speck out of your eye and judge the speck that is in your eye, I must remove the log from mine. That's not original to me, that's original to Jesus. So we're called not to judge hypocritically. Because we are called to have a level of discernment. And there is called to be a level of church discipline within the local church. So that doesn't mean we just go about doing everything willy-nilly, saying we can't judge whatsoever. So we have to have discernment. We have to have church discipline. And so those things require a level of scrutiny. And then as well, we have to be... On that kind of discernment note, we, the Scripture does tell us to examine false teachers, false prophets. That requires a level of scrutiny and judgment to do so. And so there's, across the Scripture, there are instances where judgment is not just allowed, it is necessary. But here's the thing, church, and this is what we're going to get to this morning. Judgment is not allowed in Scripture when I seek to place myself on God's throne to judge. You see, because here's the reality. We like to judge people sometimes not based on God's objective standard in his word, but based on our own preferences. And that's where Scripture prohibits us. That if you're running towards the fire and you're going to get hurt, I am judging you by saying don't run towards the fire. That is an objective standard. But if my preference for you is that you drive a Chevy instead of a Ford, I'm going, to, I'm going to judge you for driving the Ford. 
I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But it cannot be merely based on our own preferences. It must be based on an objective that is outside of us, not inside of us that we create ourselves. So let's read James 4, just two verses this morning. And since everyone got an extra hour of sleep, I get an extra hour of preach. In two verses. Here we go, 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this opportunity we have this morning to worship you. God, thank you that we've been able to celebrate baptism and seeing Hunter walk in this new life given to him in Christ. We celebrate that today. And God, thank you for the worship we've been able to partake in. God, and we pray now as we break open your word that you would speak to us. God, let us hear from you. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so two things this morning, two points I want us to see. Just two, not, not three, just two points. First, I want us to see the false judge of the law. The false judge. James begins by saying, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. So who is he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to professing believers. We should not kid ourselves this morning that we've seen this theme all throughout James that just because we say that Christ is Lord of our lives, life does not necessarily mean Christ is Lord of our lips, that even professing believers can struggle in the way that they speak. And not just speak in general, but the way they speak to one another, and hear me, the way they speak about one another. So he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Some, tr some translations translate this as slander one another. Or to speak against one another. You see, we talked a little bit last week about the nature of Satan in the scripture. And hear me out this morning. A believer who speaks against or speaks evil against another believer or slanders another believer is doing Satan's work. Why? Because what is Satan at its very definition? It's the adversary. The term devil literally means slanderer. And so to slander one another is to quite literally do the work of Satan. 
This is a serious issue for James. So do not speak evil against one another, brothers. What is speaking evil? It could be gossip. It could be tearing someone down to elevate oneself in the eyes of another. It can be a variety of things. It can be telling you the secret that Mike told me about himself that he doesn't want anybody else to know. Come find me after church, I'll tell you. But there's a variety of things that can be speaking against or speaking evil against. And why is this such a big deal in the church? Because James has already made this point repeatedly throughout Scripture or throughout his book, and we see this point throughout all of the New Testament, that my words, my mouth can either be used for the building up or the tearing down of the body. If you want to tear down the body, speak evil against one another. If you want to tear the body apart, slander one another. But if you want to build the body up, speak well of one another. Lift one another up with your words. Build one another up. Instead of speaking evil, speak good about one another. Could you imagine what that would look like in in day-to-day life? Like you, you go up to somebody and you're like, what, what, what do you know about Kirk? Man, Kirk is one of the kindest, most hardworking men I've ever seen. Kirk's the kind of guy, he would give you the shirt off his back. You may not want the shirt off his back, but he'd give it to you. Like, what if those were the conversations, and Kirk's not even in the room? What if those were the conversations that were had between believers? Or even if the person is not in the room, we're building them up, and we're edifying them. See, this is the type of language that the church should be known about and be known for. So he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. He says, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Notice what James is saying here. So if someone is speaking evil against his brother or judging his brother, placing himself upon the throne of God to make a judgment decree about a brother, what is he doing? He's speaking evil against not just the brother, but the law. Why? Because the law is not yours and it is not mine to do with it whatever we would wish. The law is not my preferences. 
The law is not what I would like for it to be. The law is what God decreed it to be. It is not my preferences. And so that by treating it as such, I am judging it and speaking evil against the law. And then James gets to his ultimate point. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. See, this is James' ultimate point for this verse. That if I seek to be in judgment over the law, I am not doing it. And what has James repeatedly said all throughout his book? To be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. So he says if you're acting as a judge over the law, ultimately you are not doing the law. If I seek to judge what God has commanded me to do, then ultimately I am not doing what God commanded me to do. You see, here's how this works. God has commanded me to love my neighbor as myself. Like that's New Testament, that's Old Testament, that's everywhere in there. And so what does a judge of the law do? Well, I know God has commanded me to love my neighbor. But God, you don't know my neighbor. Like, God, I know you have commanded me to love that person, but they're just really annoying. God, I know you've commanded me to love that person, but have they actually earned my love? God, I know you've, com but God, I know you've commanded me, but God, I know you've commanded me, but... You see how now all of a sudden we are not doing what God has commanded us to do and are now judging what God has commanded us to do. And that by executing judgment on that person, are they worthy of the love that I can show them? Are, are they this? Are they that? Should I do this? Should I do that? We have now executed judgment on God's law and have placed ourselves as the judge of the law. You see how dangerous this is? Instead of simply going, God has commanded me to love my neighbor and then therefore loving my neighbor, I have taken a step back to examine the law and to judge if I should even do it. And this is a dangerous place to find ourselves. Why? Because we are not the judge of what God has commanded us to do. Because we are the false judge of the law. Which brings us to verse 12 where we see the true judge of the law. He says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. 
So why can't I not judge the law? Why can't I not pick and choose what I want to do and what I don't want to do? Why can I not cast judgment on this person over here? Because there is only one lawgiver and judge, and it's not you. And it's not me. None of us in here are the only lawgiver and judge. None of us in here have that capacity to, to hold that office. There's only one. And James describes him, he who is able to save and to destroy. That this is who God is. That he's the only one capable of this office to be the lawgiver and the judge. Why? Because he can save. He has the power to save. But here the other end, he has the power to destroy. You and I don't have that power. As much as I would love to be able to save the people that I love. I don't have that power. I don't have the capacity to do that. None of us in here have the capacity to save. Why we need saving. We don't have the capacity. But then Nelson as well, in my fits of rage and anger, the people I would love to cast down righteous fury on and destroy, I don't have that capacity either. I don't have the ability to do that, and neither do you. Why? Because again, we need the saving, and apart from the saving work of Christ, it is God's wrath that is directed to us. So Mike, what good is it then for me to try to judge the law or to try to sit in God's seat when I do not have the capacity to do what God does? You see, how often do we struggle with wanting to sit in God's seat when we do not have the capacity to do what God does? So then James asks this rhetorical question, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So there's, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's actually able to save and to destroy. There's only one of them. And that one of them is not you. So based on that flow of logic, that there's only one lawgiver and judge, it's God, he's able to save, he's able to destroy, and it's not us. 
who are we to then judge our neighbor? Who are we to then look at our neighbor and pretend to sit on God's throne? This is the question that James is asking. Who are we to then judge our neighbor? You see, you've heard me say it before, and it's, it's, it's a repeated theme throughout James. But I think James reminds us of this for a reason. That one of my favorite phrases that I've just kind of been using over the past few years is that there's a judge of all the earth, and it's not me. Things are getting crazy out there. There's a judge of all the earth, and it's not me. That there's a judge that I'm going to have to stand before to give an account for the life that I have lived. What have I done with Christ? I'm going to have to give an account for that. Kirk, I'm not going to have to give an account for what you did with Christ. Taylor, you're not going to have to give an account for what I did with Christ. There's a judge of all the earth, and it's not me. And so then who am I to then try to sit in God's throne? So this brings us to our central idea this morning. We've seen this repeatedly that James emphasizes a life of humility and ultimately at the root of this is humility. And it's simply this, a life of humility places oneself below the judge of all creation, not above. A life of humility places oneself below the judge of all creation, not above. But that's a life of humility. You see, a life of pride begins to swell up when I, ha when I think everybody's going to answer to me one day. Or maybe I think everybody answers to me now. Pride begins to swell up. But a life of humility says, no, there's one judge, and it's not me. That there's one judge, and I'm going to be the one that is judged. So a life of humility says, I am below that, not above it. As Mike and the band come back to the stage. I told you I would be short this morning. It was only two verses. I'll save my hour makeup for next week. So we have a few more verses to cover. But as we prepare to wrap up this morning, 
I've, I've said the past few weeks, kind of James, been hit, James has been hitting on this theme of humility, and humility is such an awkward thing to preach on because it's one of those things like if you recognize humility in your own life, is that actually even humility? So it's like, I feel like I'm a humble person. Well, even by recognizing that, does that mean you're actually a humble person? It's an awkward place to be in. But as we close, I just want to ask you the simple question. This past week, have you found yourself below the judge of all creation? Or have you been fighting to place yourself above the judge of all creation? Have you found yourself at his feet? Or have you tried to take a step back and think of what you would do if you were the judge of all creation? See, a life of humility recognizes that God is the judge, that he's the only lawgiver. But not only that, he is completely holy and he is completely righteous. But even in his holiness and his righteousness, his grace provided a way. And that when even when you and I stood condemned earning every bit of God's wrath that could be poured out on us. Christ came and took that wrath himself. And so if I look at that, and I look at that gospel, who am I to even think I can get anywhere near God's throne? See, a life of humility says, no, I'm going to stay here at his feet. Why? Because I understand what he did for me. And that based on what he did for me, he can do for others. That if God could find me in my sin and still save me, who is beyond the grace of God? So instead of speaking evil and trying to be the judge over someone, we recognize that God is the judge and that he will do what is right. So as we close, do we see that today? Are we placing ourselves below the judge of all creation? Or are we fighting for the throne to place ourselves above the judge of all creation? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, would you speak to us now? God, show us where we've been wrestling for the throne 
that's not ours to claim. Help us to rest in your goodness as the right judge of creation. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and respond today. If you want to come pray, this altar's open. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here to the side. Let us find ourselves at his feet this morning. just a moment.
again, I appreciate you being here this morning. Um, a few quick announcements, and then uh, we'll share a little bit more about, you've probably noticed, the, the boxes down front. Um, and so a few quick announcements, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So coming up, of course, we have our normal Wednesday night activities um, this week. But then just as I made mention of last week, mark your calendars for next Wednesday night, the 15th. We're going to be having a special Wednesday night, just kind of family, um, church family Thanksgiving dinner that Wednesday night. That'll be at 6 o'clock. And so we'd love you to be, come be a part of that. We'll feed the family. And then also just kind of a have a few special testimonies, um, just kind of sharing God's goodness throughout this past year and uh, just a time just to celebrate what God has done in this past year. And so I invite you to come be a part of that Wednesday night, the 15th. Um, and then as well, as we dismiss in just a few moments, um, I'm going to have Hunter to come and stand with his family after we dismiss in prayer. Um, come by, let him know how excited you are as he took the next step today in being publicly baptized. Um, and so just come by and let him know that you're excited for him um, at the end. So that being said, OCC is here. I was about to say it's coming up, but it is here. And so we're going to play a short video, and then Joanna's going to come and share a little bit more about OCC. Let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Operation Christmas Child is a way for the little children to come to Almighty God. That is the best gift of all, is becoming part of God's family. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes children are coming to jesus children are being discipled and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth these children are brave and bold not afraid and they're not ashamed of the gospel they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others and many times in areas where it's an unreached people group the bible tells us the time is now let them come jesus said let them come they're coming. They're coming by the millions. Every single box represents the life of a young boy, a young girl who will be touched by the gospel. Jesus has come to give them light, that they do not need to be in the darkness, that they have hope, that they have joy. And it is our prayer that this glorious light of the gospel will flow among the nations and will fill our land with the knowledge of the glory of God. The Lord God Almighty desires to fulfill his redemptive plan for mankind in and through each of us and all of us. All of us are children of God. We share this incredible opportunity to take the gospel truly to the ends of the earth by gathering children to Jesus. I believe this year for Operation Christmas Child, this may be the most important year, most important opportunity that we'll ever have to reach children in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that God will use these shoebox gifts to make a difference in the children's life for eternity. 
Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So you've seen a little bit about the mission of Operation Christmas Child this morning. It's not just about giving gifts to children. It is taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's about an eternal difference. It's not about a temporal difference. Anybody can send aid, but we are sending the gospel to these children. And the amazing thing is that these children are going out and planning more churches because they're going into their communities and they're telling people about this Jesus that they've never even had the opportunity to hear about before. But because these boxes allow us the opportunity to go into places sometimes that are closed to the gospel, they'll say, oh, well, yeah, we'll take a gift for our children. They won't let a missionary come in, but they'll say, yeah. And so local believers are taking these gifts that we send and they're taking them and putting them in the hands of children. And when they do that, they're giving them the gospel. And after that, they're invited to come back for 12 weeks for a discipleship training course called The Greatest Journey. So not only do they get to hear the gospel when they're given their shoebox, they also get a booklet called The Greatest Gift that goes with them. But then they're invited to come back for these discipleship training classes and they're training children, children, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's been so many churches. Near, last year, nearly a thousand new churches were planted because of Operation Christmas Child. So, so many of you have been part of this this year. We started, oh, back before Christmas last year because we found some things on sale and some deals and we started buying some things because it was just too good to pass up. Um, so, so many of you have already been part of this mission, and I thank you for that. I appreciate that so much. Um, so many of you have given manpower, <laughs> prayer, um, monetary support, donations. There's so many ways that the church has come around and just come alongside this ministry, and I just want to thank you for that. But today, we have this opportunity that is such a privilege and such a blessing to be able to pack these gifts so lovingly to send this love to children around the world because when they open that box and they see that someone loved them enough to give them a gift, some things make it personal. We're gonna make these boxes personal tonight making these personal boxes, someone love them enough that opens their heart to know that God loves them. And so they're more receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're able to show them love in a tangible way. <sighs> Please come tonight, you will be blessed. Um, it's 4.30 and it is for ladies. But men, if you want to come help, we're going to be moving the rest of these boxes back to the sanctuary because next week we're going to pray over them some more and uh, send them out. So, um, 
So if you, if you would like to help, you can see Chad, because I don't think he wants to carry, I think there's 360 boxes over there, and if we fill them all up, <laughs> I don't think he wants to carry them by himself. But uh, ladies, please just come tonight, um, be a part, and, and everybody can be a part of this mission by praying, praying specifically for the children that will receive these boxes, praying that customs agents that are often corrupt would let these boxes go through, that every hand that touches it um, from the collection here at the church to the collection to the processing center to shipment overseas to getting them through customs and getting them into the hands of the local believers. Everyone can take a part through praying. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Uh, let me take a moment of your time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I will. I will. It's 4.30, okay? Ladies, come. And what time will y'all be through packing, you think? Honestly, once you get started, it doesn't take a long time. Okay. So if some guys wanted to show up with a pickup truck and load and bring stuff up, they need to be here about... Um, well, we'll start um, our presentation, so probably five. Okay. Because right. we'll start, that way they're not all at one time. You can do them in shifts. Right. So. Okay. So remember that, 4.30 today. And we're still bringing finger foods, is it? Yes, that's always a, that's a getter. Amen. But guys, uh, ladies, come and help and everybody pack and then be here about five or so with trucks and we'll start loading up and help Chad get those, <clears throat> get those up here. Because that's a lot of boxes. I think this is roughly, what, about 100 give or take well I said about <laughs> okay 80 something all right so you know 300 yes oh yeah yeah that's true to still opportunity to give to help cover the shipping and and everything else but church y'all have done an amazing job over the last several months bringing things and, and helping so uh proud of you proud of you and let's uh Let's remember everything going on this week and let's pray for this today and, and pray that over the next few weeks and just pray over these boxes. Remember this as they go to where they're going to go. All right. Stand with me. Let's have a word of prayer. I pray y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, yeah, Hunter, here he comes. All dried. Amen. After, uh, after we pray and uh, as they're standing down front, if you'd like to come down and, and just shake Hunter's hand, tell him how much you love him and you'll be praying for him over these next uh, days, months, and years ahead, okay? Because we're all in this together. Is that right? Amen. Let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the wonderful message today. Lord, help us to remember that, hide it in our hearts, Lord, and just to remember to, to speak well, to build one another up not tear one another down love one another and in that loving you god so that you be glorified the church be lifted up but above all father you be made famous around this place so lord we pray that thank you for the opportunity to fill these boxes with simple toys and as they become part of the millions more that will be shipped out lord i just pray that that as the kids receive these and 
it brings a smile on their face, of course, for the, for the toys, but God, at the same time, just help them to know that someone loves them, cares about them, and in that presentation that there will be the gospel and some child somewhere because of this opportunity who has never heard that, never made a decision to follow you and trust you would do that during this. So God bless these that way. And thank you for Joanne and all the time she's put in and all the others who have helped so much. Thank you for this church, for their giving spirit, cooperative hearts, Father, to serve you, serving others. God, we love you and we thank you. Now pray you'd guide us, keep us close to you and mindful of you and everything that we say and do. Help us to love our neighbor, speaking kindly of them and, and God loving, loving you above all and doing the things you've asked us to do, commanded us to do. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you for Hunter. Lord, thank you for that. God, our prayers would come around and greet him as a new family member of this church body. God, just help him to grow. Help us to grow together to a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.